Bubble Bobble. These are two hungry dino mites, and they've got bubble fighting fun down tight. to Nostalgia, a chronological exploration of every NES game released in North America. I'm Mike. I'm Sean. And I'm Joe. Guys, they're not really dinosaurs, though, right? They kind of uh, look dinosaur-like. I, I would say yeah, they, they are. Yeah, they got the spines on their back and everything. But I, aren't I, they I, described as dragons? Are dragons dinosaurs? They're, mm. you know, related. Potato, you know. They're both made up, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> well, yeah. Nobody yeah, says exactly. potato, though. So, so no, they, they're not. The, it's not that they're made up. It's that they existed alongside humans. <laughs> oh, both right. of them. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. that's a good explanation too. And uh, you know, Joe, we have to get this out of the way just to get it out of your system. Uh, bubble, bobble, double dribble, double dragon, double dragon, zero, F zero. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> would you like to enlighten anybody? I said it in the last is? episode actually okay. to get it out of my system, but. Well, I'll uh, start it up again. Tell everyone? Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a great YouTube video by Nirvana, the band, the show. Uh, I don't want to spoil it for you, but if you want to get some good bubble, bobble, double, dribble, double, dragon, F-Zero action, <laughs> check it out. <laughs> it is the best part of, uh, it's a song, I'll spoil that much, Ooh. Um, but it's the best part of my day, every single day. <laughs> yeah, every day. Every hour, it's the best part of my hour yeah, when I watch that That song video. is just parked in my head. It, it, it rent, <laughs> it, it's rent-free. Alright, so Bubble Bobble, though, is a game that has nothing to do with songs or anything like that, and just to give a brief overview, I, I liken this game to Mario Brothers, not Super Mario Brothers, just the original Mario Brothers, in the sense that it's like this platforming arcade game. Each level takes place on a single contained screen. There's no scrolling or anything. You can play as one or two of the dragons, either Bub or Bob. I mean, that's pretty clever. And you use their bubble-blowing abilities to capture enemies and then burst them inside of the bubbles that you put them in. And you burst them by kind of like colliding with them. Each level has a certain number of enemies that must be defeated in order to advance. What do you guys think? I think I'm really proud of that one. Yeah, it's I think that really pretty good much one. sums it up. It's a very yeah. easy to describe game. Yeah. But it's it's weird though because uh I when I saw the uh when I saw the promotional material for this stuff, I was expecting a very different game. Uh because when I was a kid, I had Bust a Move and I thought that this was going to be like Bust a Move because they have the same characters in them. Like those those dinosaur things are not what I thought they were going to do. <laughs> yeah, it's actually funny enough, Sean, because that you know we usually do this in sequels and spinoffs, but th- those, those it's the exact same thing because it's actually a spinoff in Japan called Puzzle Bobble, and they just renamed it for North America. They just renamed it in North America to Bust a Move, but I think like Puzzle Bobble is really clever on Bubble Bobble. <laughs> it, Wait, the Puzzle Bobble the was context. the. I'm confused. What Puzzle Puzzle Bobble? Is yes. the spin-off of this game, or this game is a spin-off of... No, Puzzle Bobble is the spin-off okay. of Bubble Bobble much later on. But it's just weird that, like, only Japan got that, like, neat pun added to it, and we just get a gotcha. whole new game called Bust, Bust a Move. A move. <laughs> yeah, it was very strange. Maybe they thought we were like, we Americans don't like puzzles. Yeah, maybe they thought that. But we love <laughs> dancing. <laughs> Yeah, right. right. Uh, okay, and Sean, just for the record, uh, do you want to describe Bust a Move to people so they know why it's not like Bubble Bobble? So, yeah, so Bust a Move was a 
um, it was a puzzle game in which you had to, it was like a match three, but the, um, the hook for this one was that you had to like launch your, uh, like a random sequence of colored gems at gems that are sort of like coming down from the sky. Uh, but you had to like know angles and geometry. It was almost like pool in a way. Um, and uh, I thought it was fun. I had a lot of I had a lot of fun with that game back in the day. Yeah, I mean, it's to the point now where it's not even like a spinoff. It's just its own successful franchise. I think they're still doing Bust a Move games. Yeah, I just thought it was a weirdly named first version of that. So I was I was very surprised. I mean, Bubble Bobble's just confusing in general, though, because this is another classic case of a conflict of stories between the Japanese game, and the North American game. I don't know if you guys bothered to read, like, the manual for Bubble Bobble, but they had a story in there that was, like, more like a comic, and it's not at all what I've read is the actual story of Bubble Bobble. Please enlighten me. So the story that I've read is that, uh, you know, a villain named Baron Von Blubba has kidnapped the brothers Bubby and Bobby's girlfriends and then turned the brothers into the Bubble Dragons Bub and Bob. Now Bub and Bob have to finish 100 levels in the Cave of Monsters in order to rescue them. I'll say that uh, that's not that's not my Bubble Bobble. Right. Your I, Bubble Bobble is just two dragons going on an adventure through a fun cave, right? Yeah, and they like to rhyme. Uh, they, they, they're actually pretty, uh, they're pretty okay with everything that's going on as long as like everything stays lighthearted, you know? Yeah, there's a very like lighthearted message at the start of the game, too, that's just like... Like, let's have a good story and, you know, everybody have fun. And it was, like, very cheerful. And I just thought, like, who says that? Like, let's have a good story. <laughs> like, uh, you're, you're in control of the story. You are, you're the one who's telling it. Maybe it's yeah, like now it's the beginning of a fantastic story. I wish every book started like that. All right, everybody, let's have a good book. <laughs> it's like a coach before the game. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> let's, all, let's all make sure we don't make any spelling mistakes and have a good book. <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's exactly what I was getting at. But you know, b- before we get any further into the game, can we talk about the character designs of Bub and Bob? I, I really like them. There's something about these guys that has like a mascot quality to them. Very mascotty. Um, I would say they have a sensuousness to them. A sensuousness. Okay. <laughs> no, it's nice. They're simple. They're simple, but they're still distinct. I think it's that's just, what makes them a standout to me. Absolutely. It's like. And also, like, just the fact that you can differentiate, like, between Bub and Bob, even though they're pretty much just color palette things. It reminds me of, like, the original Mario and Luigi, where the only thing that made Luigi different was that it was green instead of red. Yeah. Like, it was just green Mario, and that was, like, how that joke started. But it's the same thing with (laughs) Bub and Bob. I would say uh, the green guy, at least in the, like, the, um, in the illustrations in which there's a little bit more detail, uh, the green guy looks a little bit more worried about what's happening and the blue guy just looks uh blank um but that's if they ever decide to illustrate their eyebrows which it seems to be pretty rare well it is also funny because in the manual it it differentiates oh this one's bub and this one's bob but it only does it in the black and white portion of the manual (laughs) so i still don't know which one's bub and which one's bob i assume bub is just the player one but I wonder if that's just a result, though, of your, like, because you're, you're reading the manual online, correct? Yeah. Yeah, so I wonder, like, if you paid for, like, a, an actual version of the manual, if it ever came in color. Because that, well, that, that's the, just, like, the, so straight. The manual right? cover is in color. I mean, the, oh, but that stinks, yeah, then. what's yeah. printed in the manual is not in color. I mean, I think it's just literally a scan of the 
you know, the Nintendo seal of approval is in color. Ah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, look, I believe you. You know, I believe that there's not like a separate version of this yeah. that's just the black and white. Uh, <laughs> that's sort of, uh, of that's sort of what you were trying to tell us. Yeah, I know, okay. I know. Yeah, right, you know I don't think you do believe me. Let's move on from this. Let's get away from character <laughs> design because that's kind of like out of our element anyway. We're not illustrators. We don't know really how to critique that kind of thing. And let's get into what we do know how to critique, and that's video games. So let's talk about just like the core gameplay loop here. Is it satisfying to blow these bubbles and bobble those enemies? <laughs> Well, I think, I mean, as someone who has said a lot of times that, like, arcade games usually just don't do it for me, this one, it just, I don't know, something about it, maybe because of all the arcade games we've played so far, uh, have given me, like, uh, an expectation, but, like, the controls, first of all, feel pretty good compared to some other stuff. I mean, like, it's, like, definitely still a little floatier than, like, a Mario or something, like a Super Mario Brothers, rather, Um, but otherwise, like... It, it it doesn't feel as janky as a lot of other like arcade games like this that we've played. So that's the first thing that stood out to me because by looking at this, I thought, okay, this is going to be like an ice climbers style uh, like level of frustration, but totally is not. Yeah, I would say that this game also gives me similar uh, feelings while I'm playing it as something like uh, Joust or even uh, Balloon Fight. Um, all, all the single screen games, sort of like it, the physics based single screen screen games, uh, all sort of give me a similar feeling because this is. I would say that this game still has a little bit of uh of a physics element to it with like the way the bubbles move around and your interactions with them. So it has that like yes, they're they're static environments, um, but uh, you you can still express yourself while you're while you're playing with them, uh, just by how you deal with your bubbles, you know? Yeah, I'd like to talk about just the bubbles, too, there for a minute, because there's, there's like, a bunch of different types of things going on on any particular stage, even very early on in the game, where there's the bubbles you blow, which seem like it's probably a limited amount, but it's a lot of bubbles given, you know, the state of the game. And then there's bubbles that just kind of pop up that have, like, they're, like, special bubbles that do different things for you. And And then there's all the different enemies that you also, like, when you catch them into bubbles, you don't have to, like, burst them right away, and they're kind of floating around on the screen, too. So there's this kind of, even though it's on a single screen, it invites a lot of chaos into yeah. the game in a meaningful way, though, you know? It's sort of like your bubble-bobble juggling. Yeah, okay. Juggle-joggle. Yeah. Sure, that, yeah, that's what they were actually thinking about calling the game. I, I know about that. Juggle-joggle. Uh, <laughs> here, here, here's the thing, though, Sean. So, because you bring up the juggling thing, did you ever at any point feel overwhelmed by all of this stuff on the screen? Because that's usually something we talk about, that like in shmups, there's just eventually a point later on where they just add too many enemies to the screen and you're more likely to die. I wouldn't say it was a feeling of being overwhelmed, but it was definitely over time, over the amount of levels that I played, uh, more things started to happen. But it wasn't like an anxiety-inducing thing. It was just like, oh, this is just more stuff. I don't know what the difference is there, but I felt it. It does. There does become like a, a quite a saturation of things on the screen. But the thing about it is that most of the new things that are appearing on the screen are usually helpful things or, or you know, it's not like it's not like enemies just keep spawning and overwhelming you in that way. So maybe you might get overwhelmed with like choices of like, OK, do I jump on the bubbles that are already here? Do I make a bubble to jump on uh, and stuff like that? But otherwise, I don't think I was overwhelmed with like, oh, my God, I'm there's too many enemies around. 
that's that's a good way to describe it i'd say yeah yeah and there's like a there's a limit to the amount of rules in this game that like are are established you know and that that never like changes or becomes more dynamic it's just that the you know the enemy variety increases or the way that the platform is like Sorry, the way that the stage is platformed out, it's usually into, like, cute, like, shapes of a heart or shapes of a smiley face. You know, like, those are the things that change every stage to make them fun. But the the actual, like, rules of the game is just blow the bubbles onto the enemy and then burst them. So it's, like, there there's not a lot uh, going against you. You know, it's not as overwhelming as, saying a shmup where you have to be, like, checking in every single direction and watching out for this enemy who moves a different way or shoots a different type of thing or... There's a hazard on the stage, you know? There's no hazards other than the enemies. Yeah, and and you mentioned that, like, the different, like, layouts of the levels, and I think that that, you know, in addition to your description of the game, those, like, the different layouts of the levels uh, are really important to understanding the game, because for me, that's what kind of makes this game. I mean, I, I think that not every level, but a lot of the levels are actually pretty cleverly designed in a way where you have to think about it very differently than you might have had to think about the last level. Um, granted, there are a lot of misses where it's just like, oh, okay, they just made like a funny design in the middle of this one. But there are some where, you know, the physics of the platforms there, you know, where like you have to, you can only go through them when you're going up and you get stuck in them when you, you can't go down. You have to like go back around. It makes you have to think, I'm doing a poor job of explaining that, but it makes you have to think about like, how to approach enemies yeah. where enemies can get stuck. You don't want to get stuck in a small space with an enemy, but you can uh, you can go around, you can loop around uh, the top of the screen and back to the bottom to get to places that you might not have been able to access. There's just the level design, like I said, some were, were kind of lackluster, but a lot of them were, were pretty cool. And it's frequently changing, too. No no particular stage takes all that long. So you're you're constantly feeling this progression of, like, level one, level two, level three. You know, it's like you can get to level 18 in this game pretty fast in a, in a first-time playthrough, you know? Yeah, yeah, particularly because there's no real consequence to dying. You can start back at the level that you died on. But I also just meant the pace of the game, Joe. You know, like how uh, it's not like each level is a five-minute-long adventure. Right. You know, gotcha. like I kind of like that they kind of come in 60-second or less bursts. Yeah, and they, they're all sort of like just their own. Like it is, it's definitely also a puzzle platformer because... Well, so a lot of them are just like fun little, uh, like pixel art backgrounds that you have to navigate. Some of them are definitely designed to be a, approached in a certain way, and there are little like traps sprung that you can fall into, and also uh, funnels that the enemies can uh, you can very quickly dispatch your enemies. Uh, so, so I mean, it's like it's hit and miss, but uh, they they do get creative with the level design in there. Yeah, there's a level early on in the game, maybe in, like, the teens, where that idea of, like, puzzle platforming really comes out to play because, and I think this is the one you're talking about, Sean, with the funnel, where you can't get in there, and all the enemies are in there, and you have to figure out how to use the uh, the power-up bubbles, how to get those yeah. to, like, slide through the funnel and take out the enemies that way because your bubbles won't reach them otherwise. Yeah, that, that's one of the ones I was talking about. Uh, and I, I think just, it was heart shaped. I'm yes, not... it, it was kind of heart. Yeah, it might have actually been the heart shaped level, but it was definitely yeah. like a heart. I, I think that was a necessary step, though, for the game too. Like it didn't, it didn't have to uh, make the game any more complicated. Now you instead had to think about uh, how you approach the enemies because you can't use your bubbles to just blow. To, like I like that bubbles don't 
transcend through platforms. Or it, when you do blow a bubble and it goes up into the stage because they kind of just float upwards, that it doesn't catch an enemy. Like, you can't trap an enemy by getting at a bubble that you blew earlier that just happens to, like, collide in with your enemy. I'm glad that that detection was removed. It was It was a part of it at some point? No, I'm saying, like, that... You could argue that, like, any of the bubbles that you blow on stage should be able to catch enemies, but it's only in that very first instance that you blow it that it's able to capture an enemy. Once it starts rising, yeah, once it starts rising, it cannot capture an enemy. You can burst it for maybe, like, 10 points or something like that, which is kind of fun. Uh, But, you know, but there's, it would have been a weird consequence. uh, to just be able to blow bubbles freely. And if any enemies happen to bump into those bubbles, they are now captured. I would say though that if there was uh, if if there was um, some tweaks to other elements of the game, and you like that skill ceiling of like, oh, can you get um, can you get this guy with just a rising bubble? I think that would be interesting as well. But but you're right. The way that the game is at this very moment, that would have been a little goofy. Yeah, I, I think that it's also kind of cool that like you know you shoot the bubble, and while it's on its on its forward path, when it's on its immediate forward path. If it hits a, it's a direct hit, it'll capture the enemy. But otherwise, it exists. It, it can't capture the enemy, but you can still use it to your advantage to help you get to higher places. You can jump off of it. You can ride it to the top of the level. And I thought that was cool that it's like you have it, it's the same move, but you have multiple uses for it. And I don't know how you guys felt about this, but and maybe I wasn't following exactly with how the game wanted me to understand the platforming of, of the levels, but later levels that have a lot more platforming in them. There's kind of like some some weird unspoken rules to what you can collide into and what you can pass over and what you can land on that yeah, that that, sure. that just isn't isn't that well communicated to the player and uh, is distracting in a way because you you kind of think like oh I can get over this 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 and this but then it turns out it's actually all just solid. It's it's basically you can only pass through a uh, platform from below, and even if you're trying to jump to another platform, if you accidentally clip one between you and the other platform, you will land on that one. It do, it is a little annoying, but I guess you can uh, if you get better at figuring out the arc of your jump, you can you can uh, get rid of that, but. Yeah, it's it's this weird feeling like oh I can jump through this but I can't throw a bubble through it and it, it's sort of like this weird uh, like feeling one thing and seeing another. Uh, but now I, I get what you're saying there. Yeah, I was actually a little little uh, disappointed at one point because when I first started playing it, I was playing it with uh, with friend of the podcast Mark, who I've mentioned before, and a couple other friends. Um, and we at first thought like well because there are different textures of the. Uh, of like the platforms you're on, I started to notice like, oh, like when it's this texture, you can jump through it from the bottom and land on it from the top, and and we'll learn that like each texture has a different type of physics, and then later they'll start introducing new like old textures in with other textures, and you just remember what each one does. It never really does that. It, like it, oh. it just it's just it's just <laughs> all new textures. Had, I thought you had learned. I had a cracked the code the game that I did. No, I, I well, it seemed like it was going that way, and then it ends up just being like, no, they're just all these different textures, and they seem to do the same thing but sometimes i feel like they did different things and it, it was never it was never clear like can you only jump I, I think in the end you can only jump through things from the bottom but there were sometimes it felt like that didn't work 
yeah. maybe that was just because of little like weird uh glitchy things in the game but i i was a little i just was excited with the idea of like oh there's these each of these different textures behave a different way and i'll have to learn what they are and it's just kind of not true <laughs> it might even have to do with like how close the platforms are to other platforms like collision yeah. detection that just pushes you back out or doesn't let you get through at all i right? think that's correct as well So, I don't know about you guys, enemy designs in, in NES games, they, they're hit or miss for most of the time, but I always think about Stinger, uh, a game that is currently on our essential games list, as, like, peak enemy design because it was just so wacky and goofy and, like, every single level <laughs> just introduced, like, a whole new set of enemies each time to the point where you were fighting, like, microwaves and televisions at a certain point. <laughs> I also do love to fight saxophones, for sure. Oh, yeah, it was a giant saxophone, right? It was, yeah. That was an enemy, a uh, boss battle, actually. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In Bubble Bobble, even though these aren't necessarily like as creative as a microwave or a television, they had a stinger-like quality to them, and I thought all of the enemies were really like fun and playful <laughs> and not like... Yeah. Yeah, there was nothing I that think, was, like, in my way. <laughs> I think I could even argue that some of these enemy designs are more creative than a microwave or a television. I, I think that the, since they're they're all distinct and they're not ugly and you're never really wondering what they are, I think it works. And like for for eight bit design, I think that's one of the biggest boxes you have to check. Is, yeah. uh Just as long as you can distinguish between them. And they do introduce a lot of new ones, like as you go, even like later. in I mean, I, I didn't. I guess there's a lot of levels in this game. I I got to like somewhere in the 40s or 50s, but even then there's levels. like, is it only a hundred? I thought there was a, more. I thought there was like 140, and then I thought there were two versions. There's 200. There's 200. It says that there you there's game one and like there's a hundred and some levels in that, and then there's game two that you can only play after you beat game one. I know what you're. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I didn't know that those were. I thought you have to play through the game in like a harder thing but it turned because i didn't i didn't beat the game obviously so yeah. i see what you're saying after you beat the first hundred levels and you have to go play like the secret mode that, that's a whole nother hundred set of levels i believe yeah, which so. is crazy but but my point being that like even in like that far into the game they're introducing new enemies that look distinct and look you know, at one point there's like something that looks to me almost exactly like a proto pet from ratchet and clank if anyone is a ratchet and clank fan but you know it just like it has that level of like character to it and, and and each thing has its own distinct character design to it huh. yeah yeah and a lot of these also look like uh they belong in a Mega Man game too you know yeah they have that style to it yeah yeah so i i think you know we're definitely hitting like the right amount of for an arcade game too like the graphics are nothing they're nothing impressive but they're also simple enough that it's just it just works it wasn't distracting it's not like poor today it, it it's still it's still like a fun visual game to play too right i think it shows that like it's not necessarily about how good the actual graphical fidelity is it's just like the design is that good like using those graphics it's just designed well yeah so we were talking about um the platforming and uh how that was kind of confusing at times and the only reason why i really brought that out at the start anyway because i'm sure that there is an established rule to how the platform works but i was bringing it up more because if the pace of the game is part of the enjoyment of everything. Nothing nothing stinks more than when you're kind of like stuck on one thing and you're waiting for an enemy to come to you or to come around to an area that you can access. 
and then you just have to hear that one music track over and over and over again while you wait. And whether you're waiting or you're playing, it's only one music track. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, it, it sort of turned into wallpaper for me. Uh, it wasn't annoying enough for me to get that uh, that upset with it, uh, like many other games do, but... It's definitely a con. Yeah, I do wonder how long the loop was. Was it was it ten seconds? Was it thirty seconds? I I couldn't focus long enough to count. Yeah, but I'm not I, sure. I do wonder because you would think that maybe maybe every ten levels you could change up the music a bit <laughs> or just the pitch or something. But we got what we got, and I think if music's the only complaint, I mean, we're, we you know. We already have a lot of great uh, soundtracks on the NES. I'll forgive Bubble Bobble for not including <laughs> more than one song, I suppose. Yeah, I, 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 this game isn't that bad because there are better games. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and Joe, you mentioned this way early on, uh, but you can continue right where you left off as many times as you like. So there's really no reason not to beat this game for any of us. We just, I guess it couldn't hold our attention because you could just continue... Until your heart's content, you just you have three lives, I think, when you start each game. But as soon as you die, they give you a password. But as long as you haven't reset your cartridge, you can just go right back into the level. No password needed. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I, I guess it's, it's just weird to me that a game that the, the loop, like the gameplay loop is so simple that it does have a password thing. Uh, like I would expect this more in adventure games or action games with very distinct levels but i guess like yeah if there's an end state and it's 200 levels away then you better have a password system yeah i think it actually comes back to that let's have a good story thing you can't promise you're gonna have a good story and then make people start at uh you know the very beginning every single time they want to play the game right i mean what is the do you see a story like no 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 i'm joking i'm saying that they they said there's a story so you could argue that this is an adventure game sean that's true you're right but I, uh, again, I think this might just be my, because of my personal preference against, you know, about arcade games. But for me, just since it's not my thing generally, the ability to just pick up where I left off is, is essential to me. Not saying this is an essential game. That's an essential <laughs> ability because for an arcade game, I don't want to, to die and have to redo levels I already did because I think that's where I get kind of bored with the loop. So it was nice to be able to just continue to move on even after I died. I know that's not necessarily like the um, the uh, purest video game, purest way of playing things, but for this game, I, I really appreciated it. It does make me wonder for how many people in the whole world love Pac-Man, the original arcade game. How many of them have seen like level 10 of Pac-Man? You know, like you, you play that game, you probably die within like the first five stages or so. <laughs> And then you put in a quarter and start from the beginning again. And you're totally fine with that. You know, everybody's fine with that. Uh, and to be honest, I was fine every time I, like, went back to this game as we, as I was playing it through the week. I was fine starting from level one again. It's 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 fine. Like, I didn't bother to remember the passwords. Yeah, I did the same thing. I wasn't very good at the game, so I never got that far. But I never felt like I was missing out on much. So uh, the, the the first few dozen levels were were enough to hold me over. Well, you can miss out, though, Sean, because, and we all did, I assume, uh, because we didn't say, talk about level 100, but level 100 is actually a boss fight. Yeah, there's like a crystal ball or something, right? Uh, that's Baron Von Blubba. Ah. Okay, I didn't, I didn't know that there was an actual fight. <laughs> yeah, 
Uh, Baron Von Bubba looks like absolute shit in the manual. It looks like a blob like the other characters, but it's actually, yeah, it's a pretty cool uh, giant enemy sprite that uh, you have to attack with your bubbles and uh, avoid at all costs because if, you know, anything touches you, you die. Uh, but it's it's just like a... it. You just shoot a bunch of times. Nothing, nothing really changes. There's no, like, now you gotta blow bubbles into these bombs and hope yeah, the so bombs, no like, bubble, connect. So there's no bubble uh, technique here. It's just, like, your, your <laughs> bubbles are now just a... Uh, just a, a a gun. Yeah, exactly. They're now a oh. gun, and he wow, just has sucks. like a. I have no idea how many hits it takes, but I imagine it's more than twenty. So like, you're just gonna have to be patient, wait for your opportunity because there's not that many platforms, so you can't just like follow him all along the screen and and keep shooting bubbles at him. You have to dodge his stuff and then go in for the attack. But uh, you know, I I'm just surprised that you can go. 99 levels, thinking you're playing the same game over and over again, and then all of a sudden it's a boss fight. That's yeah, a kind of cool reward, I think. I think yeah, it's really cool. Flash. Yeah, I, That I, would make I, me I, get I'll a agree. double take. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know, I just wouldn't be anticipating that. It's kind of like, you know, in, in, in uh, Ocarina of Time, in Legend of Zelda, when you all of a sudden, if you, you know, if you were a kid and you didn't read any of the things coming out for the game, when you pull out the sword and then you jump seven years and everything's changed. It was like, it's a whole new game now. I thought I was done. Like, <laughs> so I, mean, I like let's that. Not, let's not do, uh, let's not compare it to that, but I, you're right. It is, it is surprising. I always like to go to the most extreme examples, Sean, because you know, there's somebody who now <laughs> thinks that, uh, bubble bobble is like on the same caliber as Ocarina <laughs> of time. One of the greatest <laughs> games of all time. And then there's bubble bobble. And really, they're you know they're both the same thing at the end of the day because they're video games. All video games are equal. All video game, yeah, you're right. I, yeah. I think that I've never preferred one game over another. I just yeah, like to I mean, push buttons. <laughs> are video games an essential game? Yeah, we should do that uh, on episode 715 for <laughs> sure. Right. <laughs> Now, when you complete level 100, though, against uh, Baron Von Blubba, it depends what happens next based on many different things. And I just, I think this is crazy, but it reminds me all the way back to Ghost and Goblins, where after you beat that game, it says, like, ha, you thought you beat the game? This was just (laughs) an illusion. Like, go back to the beginning. And then you fight, like, everything a lot harder and once you beat it the second time it doesn't give you the illusion garbage it actually gives you the true ending that's kind of what happens here because when you complete level 100 in single player it reveals a message stating that the game has not truly ended and that you need to like bring a come here with a friend essentially it's like oh (laughs) it's like you didn't do this the right way Bubble Bobble is strictly a two-player game, and if you come here just by yourself, we'll never give you the true ending. I don't like that. I don't like that at all. I don't like that one bit. If I if I choose to play this game on my own, on my own dime, you better you better believe that I don't want any friends. Like this is this is what I'm here for. So give me what you <laughs> owe me. I just Here's- think it's strange that you can that you can 
beat the entire game and it will never let you like progress to the second set of 100 levels unless you do it with a friend. <laughs> here's the here's the workaround. You just start two player, you let the other player just nobody controls it, you let it die right away and then you just play the rest of the game by yourself because he doesn't come back. Uh, as long as you don't die. And then if you die, you just do that again. And you never have to interact with another human in person again. Or you could just be like an only child, Joe. <laughs> that what? could happen. It's a, you know, like I'm just saying, like there could be situations where kids just don't have friends. To, like, That's what I'm saying. Need. So you just, you just don't, you just plug in the second controller and just let the other character die. And then you can just play the game yourself and still get the good ending as if you played on two player. Got it. And then and then a message would be revealed that uh, Baron Von Blubba knows that you never touched any of the inputs on player two. So you have to break up. <laughs> and then you like to play Castlevania. Yeah, exactly. But here, here's the kicker. So, okay, say you do bring a, a friend over and you both complete the game now. The first time you were like, oh man, I thought I beat it, but now it tells me I need a friend. Now you do it with your friend and it gives you this whole like, here's a happy end. And uh, you see the brothers get transformed back into their human selves and they're reunited with their girlfriends, which is the Japanese plot. So it's just like, I guess they didn't want to talk about it in the manual of the game, but it's still in the game's code. And then that ending just includes like a code to play uh, the difficult super mode of the game with the next hundred levels. And if this mode is completed with two players, then you get a second happy end, as they call it, and a uh, uh, the boss of the game is revealed to be the brother's parents under the control of some outside influence. Wait, come on, hold on. It's specifically the brother's parents? Yes. Not your not, parents? Yeah. <laughs> not your parents, it's the it's Bubbly and Bobbly's uh, parents. So, Oh, the brothers, plural, it's their parents. Oh, yeah, yeah, not I thought Bob you were saying he was, like, the parent yeah, yeah. of Bob, the brother of Bob, but not Bob's parent or whatever. That's funny. I like that. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 brother's parent. I was very parent. confused there. No, I thought you were actually saying that it's whoever you brought over as player <laughs> two. Like, it's their parents. Because <laughs> their parents said, like, oh, our son never goes out, so we need to change uh, this kid's game to make it so he has to invite our friend, our kid out. <laughs> It's very personalized. Every every bubble, bubble bubble is personalized. This just feels confusing <laughs> to me as like a a sequence of states for an end game. Like there's there's three different endings. I guess four if you count the game over screen as just like failure screen. Uh, you know, so like technically there's four endings. One where you die. One where you don't have a friend. The one where you thought it was a happy ending, but you haven't uh, saved your parents yet. And then finally. The one where you save your parents and your girlfriends, and then you all get married together, like like this polygamy thing. Like no, it's you, more like your that episode. And your girlfriends. It's like that episode of the Fresh Prince of Bel Air where Will gets married to Lisa, but then Lisa at the altar says no, and it's like, oh, that's weird. Like, what's going to happen next? And then Lisa's dad proposes to Will's mom right there, <laughs> and then they get married. It's kind of like that, huh? I like which one came is- first. I wonder who. Well, I guess, I guess. This came before Fresh Prince, right? So they probably took it from this. Yeah, they probably took it from this, if I had to guess. But uh, they also, I mean, Fresh Prince just has a history of stealing from NES games because they also <laughs> took the concept of uh, uh, Side Pocket, you know, where right, you're like right. hustling in pool and stuff like that. <laughs> did they Did they take it? We talked about it in that episode uh, uh, for Side Pocket. I'll have to go so, back yeah. and listen. 
Yeah, the references go all the way back. That's the joy of going through uh, 130-something episodes with us, is that if you go through all of them, you'll get every single reference. So don't be like Sean. Almost everything we say is a reference to a previous episode. Yeah. So don't be like Sean and not listen to the episodes, uh, even when you're in them, apparently. I listen sometimes. I think it's just crazy that you're in the episodes, and you can't even be bothered to remember. (laughs) I don't know. Do Do you listen to yourself talk a lot? I don't know. Uh, no, I probably don't. You're right. Anyway, that's enough about us. Let's get back to the game. Are there no, any they other... want to know. <laughs> I, I do not listen to myself. Okay. There, uh, is there anything else that we want to talk about in this game? Like, in terms of the, just the, the things that we haven't touched upon yet? Or, or am I free to go into uh, developer interviews with all the good stuff? I, I had one quick thing. Um, so, I don't know what sequence of events transpired to make this happen, but... Uh, at a certain point during one of the levels, uh, I had a gigantic, uh, I had a gigantic diamond fall into the level, and it gave me like thirty something points. And I was just, I just thought it was really cool that there was a, a sprite that took up half the screen, like in there that I could pick up. That it's, it's a very strange comment, uh, but it's something I've never seen. So yeah. That's there was also this say. thing one time where I got like an umbrella and it let me skip like seven oh, yeah. stages. And it, but it actually scrolls past all the stages too, which is uh, like, are they all just like on a film, uh, a film reel <laughs> sort of thing? I don't know. Well, uh, going talking about the diamonds, I actually never saw one of those diamonds. But a lot of times when I'm when I'm recording these episodes, I just have a, a playthrough like silently playing in the background just to remind me of things. And this guy that's playing through this is a. Uh, I don't know what he's doing or how he's doing it, but like every other level, he makes like a hundred diamonds fall down. Like, there must be something, there must be some strategy to that. I have no idea. <laughs> Only 30 years of Bubble Bobble can bring you that kind of talent. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> right. Yeah, like this guy's the master of Bubble Bobble. Sean, I do want to go back to what you said, though, about the film reel thing, because that was a really interesting touch that I didn't even think about. That, like, this is supposed to be a 100 level cave that you're venturing down into. And they could have just very easily just done like a warp to the to whatever yeah. level it warps you to. So the actual fact that they loaded up each level and showed you them as you continue to descend down, again, just enforces the idea that Taito is trying to tell you a story in this game. And it's the probably the deepest story arcade game we've had to date. I, I agree. With twists and turns all across the way. Who would have expected? Your parents are the boss. <laughs> Speaking of Taito, uh, they are the ones who brought us this game, and they've already brought us a few. Uh, You guys can just give me a quick yay or nay on these together. I don't need separate. Uh, Legend of Kage? No. Yeah, not not so much. Wasn't terrible. Renegade? Yeah. I think we, I'm trying to remember that's one of the uh, run and gun kind of overhead ones, right? That was a pretty uh, good one. Yeah, it was well, a it brawler. It was yeah, a it was brawler. a brawler. Oh, okay. Then I don't remember. It was the one that came before. Um, it's on our essential games list. Jeez, what's that game called? Double Dragon. Double okay, Dragon. Do, I'm, I'm looking bubble. up. A, I'm looking up an image of it. I see it now. Yeah. Okay, I remember this one. Yeah, it's before Double Dragons. Uh, it was like kind of the first brawler, and then we thought Double Dragon really just perfected everything that uh, Renegade couldn't deliver. Uh, all right, what else did they bring? Oh, Elevator Action. 10 out of 10. Not bad. Yeah, uh, probably the perfect game. <laughs> and, uh, oh, Arkanoid. That was good. 
That's the one with it's like breakout. Yeah, that's yeah. that was fine. Yeah, I think we it just worked. need to do for our best of eighty eight episode. I just need to say every game that we played. <laughs> like, I just need to say all one hundred and forty of them, and just watch your guys' reaction. Yeah, I think people that, would I mean, like to hear that. No. Get ready for me to pause for a long time while I'm looking up what they were because I've forgotten the name, like to associate which name with which one of half of these. That didn't make any sense, but you know what I mean. Have yeah, we no. been we've been in 1988 for I think over a year. Like, Absolute, <laughs> yeah, absolutely close enough. I, it will be longer than a year when it's all said and done. But I think uh, we're going on like week 47 or 48 of yeah. 1988. Yeah, so it'll be 50. It'll be more than 52 by the end of it. Uh-huh. Uh, okay, so hold on because. Back to the Taito thing. The reason I listed all those games out is because it's very clear that Taito is an arcade developer who just happens to be like, yeah, port these games to everything. Like, all these games, Elevator Action, Renegade, Legend of Kage, Arkanoid, even Bubble Bobble, they're ported to everything, not just the NES. Does that make these games feel a little less special when we talk about them on Nostalgia? No. It's still it's still an NES game. Uh, just because it's, it's a multi-platform release isn't make it any less valuable to the library. Yeah, I agree. Uh, especially because I feel like the NES was... I mean, w- what else was it ported to? I mean, I feel like the NES was probably what most people were playing it on anyways. Yeah, I guess it depends on, like... Because I always, I'm always shocked to find out, like, in Europe, what what was bigger in terms of consoles than was here. Because I, I think by now, the um, the Mega Drive was out. So that was like a big deal in Europe, apparently, uh, Sega Mega Drive. So I'm, I'm sure the game also came out. Actually, it did come out there as Final Bubble Bobble. So final why would Bubble you, Bobble. Yeah, why would you buy Bubble Bobble uh, on the NES when you could have Final Bubble Bobble? Uh, and I'm sure it came out on like Commodore 64 and the Amiga. The Amiga was another big one in Europe, too. And I'm just like, I have never even seen that thing. I'm sorry, guys. I, I've, I have always wanted a Commodore 64. But no, the, the Amiga's got a, a long legacy. But that, that's all I'll say about that. Okay, good. Yeah, and I was I was not trying to say that I feel that way. It's just that it's been a while since we talked about the fact that like a lot of these games that we're playing have better versions of them in 1988 on the arcade. You know, like we're, yeah. we're playing these inferior versions. Indeed. All right, so I've got this guy named MTJ uh, Mitsuji is his last name, and he is the developer creator of bubble bobble and he is about to fire some shots at his own company in this interview that i found over here you guys I ready can't for it wait. I'm ready. all right to be honest taito's games they seemed kind of cheap and lame to me <laughs> both in terms of graphics and gameplay they didn't have much sense of style or sense compared with namco's <laughs> offerings they were very much lagging behind the reason i selected bubbles is the simple reason that I thought it would be really fun to have a screen full of bubbles everywhere. When you think <laughs> bubbles, Jesus. when you think bubbles, of course you think of popping or bursting bubbles, and that bursting action is tied to the idea of pleasure gameplay. <laughs> bubbles are the future. I can only imagine that this guy gave the interview with his boss in the room. This <laughs> very uncomfortably fidgeting in his seat like did he still work there yes he still worked there. he's like a taito legend uh wow. and yeah yeah he obviously goes on to, after bubble bobble's success he pretty much like goes on to make a bunch of other games for them and i just think it's i think it's funny that 
he he says, and I don't have the whole quote here because I'll just link to it in the show notes, but he goes on to talk about how, like, compared to Namco, com, you know, like, oh, Namco was doing this and Namco was doing that and Taito was doing And eventually the interviewer just asks him, why didn't you go work at Namco? <laughs> <laughs> and he says, like, like, straight up, he's like, well, I thought my ideas were pretty good and I thought I'd stand out at Taito because their games were such garbage. Like, I <laughs> I thought I would stand out if I, like, made Very a game honest. for them. I appreciate yeah. the honesty. Yeah, there's something about that. He also uh, admitted that, like, he thought that uh, Bubble Bobble would appeal to women and that that would get away for couples to visit the arcade uh, and get, like, twice the amount of quarters. So... He decided that Bubble Bobble would focus largely on the two-player cooperative mode, and he made Bubbles the core, the core mechanic as he, and this is his own words, I'm not trying to say anything, he made Bubbles the core mechanic because he thought they would be a fun element that girls would enjoy. Okay. I mean, it's well, not the worst logic in the world. But... Sure. But what would he have put if it was just a game made for men? Just sharks. <laughs> just sharks. <laughs> I also just think it's funny, like, he seems to, like, have really put a lot of thought into, like, bubbles. And, like, how bubbles are, like, it's like he's, like, an entrepreneur who's, like, trying to, who's trying to, like, sell bubbles to you. Like, yeah. like listen, like, bubbles are the future. He went to, like, Big Bubble, and yeah. he told them, he told Big Bubble, he was like, you guys are just not, you don't understand your market. Your market's yeah. not outdoor activities, your market's video games. <laughs> Yeah, I just imagine him like sitting in the sitting in like the chair in the interview, just like leaning back, legs crossed, just like very comfortable, saying like, "Well, you know, like he like he knows that like he's he's hot shit because he's talking about bubbles, <laughs> just like you know when I invented bubbles, you know, I always thought that, I always knew everyone would love them, and just seems very like." So is he, uh, is is he like the the patent holder for any bubble like technology in video games? In, in like, my canon, he is like the shield, like the shield from Smash Brothers. It kind of looks like a bubble. Like, is is he to blame for that? He's just a consultant for bubbles in video games. You I don't see. you don't have to ask him about it. It's just more or less like it's if just, you want bubbles done right, you should yeah. talk to MTJ. <laughs> yeah. first. It's also a respectful thing to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, like I imagine him like the Steve Jobs of Bubbles. Like he changed the world. <laughs> the Steve, the Steve Jobs of Bubbles, the Dark Souls of Bubbles, <laughs> the Citizen Kane of Bubbles. He's all of those things. And nobody ever talks about his contributions to Bubbles, but I'll, I'll I'll lay that there. Well, you know, I brought that up earlier, Sean, and I, I maybe I was just talking out of my ass, but like. Do you think that it's called Bubble Bobble because you blow bubbles onto the enemies and then bobble them? Like, I would is say bobbling that's an action? Is that a verb? Why? Okay. Yeah. Can you bobble something? Like, is that a verb? I have no idea. I think that it's a, it's a sound that sort of sounds like what you're doing. Yeah, I always thought bobbling was like if you're if you're holding something and you're about to drop it and you kind of like bobble with it for a second. You you you, you yeah. You know, so it's like kind of fits. You're bobbling these bubbles. All right, and we're going to be bubbling bobbles for a while, guys, because we do have a ton of sequels. We're just not going to talk about them because we still have a whole nother bubble bobble game to play on the NES. So I'm just going to cover the basics, if that's okay with you guys. All right. me. All right, and we'll do, you know, in the bubble bobble part two episode... Uh, not that it's part two. That's the name of the game, bubble bobble part two. <laughs> uh We'll cover everything else then. But so Bubble Bobble was first released in the arcade in 1986. And I thought that was like, oh, that's actually not that late of a port to the NES. Like, usually these games come out in like 82, 83, and then they get over here in 88. 
So only two years to make it over to the NES. I thought that was pretty good. It's a great turnaround time. <laughs> great turnaround time. I, you know, congrats to everybody on the development team. Yeah. And Final Bubble Bobble is, uh, it came out in the Genesis in 1991, and this one now has 200 levels, so that's why I questioned your source there, Sean, about, like, does this one have 200 levels? To be honest, I still don't know. Oh, so well, I'm sorry. Maybe, no, I'm just saying, maybe it's 200 different levels in the Genesis one. Maybe. Anyway, I think this is, like, a lesson that you never call something final uh, in front of anything for for games that you want to be successful franchises. Final Bubble Bobble doesn't sound good to me. And I'm not talking about Final Fantasy, because that would be like calling it the final Final Fantasy. You know what I mean? Like, it no, already had an established no, title. But Final Fantasy was that. Like, it, that is Final Bubble Bobble. Right, but I'm saying, like, Final Bubble Bobble is not... If that was the first game that ever came out was called Final Bubble oh, Bobble, okay, then that's fine. Like, you know, that's fine. I get it. I, I don't get it, but I get it. Here, it's almost saying, like, we're never going to make another Bubble Bobble again. This is the final <laughs> Bubble Bobble. Yeah. Like, I don't think Square was saying, we're never making fantasies ever again when they, when they called I it Final Fantasy. saying, we're never making a game ever again. Yeah, exactly. They they... All right, so after Final Bubble Bobble... Uh, Rainbow Islands, the story of Bubble Bobble 2. Okay, that sounds weird, right? Because don't we have Bubble Bobble Part 2 on the NES? We do. However, there was also this game called Rainbow Islands, which also likes to call itself Bubble Bobble 2. And that's a game that also comes to the NES, and we're going to have to play that in 1991. Uh, it's just that it they lose the Bubble Bobble 2 mention, I guess because it would be confusing to have Bubble Bobble Part 2 and the story of Bubble Bobble 2 come out in the same year. So instead, it's just referred to as Rainbow Islands. And uh, you play as Bubbly and Bobbly in their human form, because it's actually a continuation of the story. So now that the dragons have turned back into humans, you play as them and use their ability to shoot rainbows. Rainbows. They shoot rainbows uh, in the same kind of way that you shoot the bubbles and then the rainbows like are... You, you can walk over them, and you can attack enemies with them. It, it looks pretty neat. It has, my, it has my curiosity, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, MTJ made it, so you know he was thinking, like, you know, people... Bubbles were big. Rainbows are really going to take off. <laughs> so this brings me to the great Bubble Bobble 2 debate, which we're going to have to settle in Bubble Bobble Part 2, but we might as well talk about it now. You have... Rainbow Islands, the story of Bubble Bobble 2, which is the first sequel to Bubble Bobble. Then you have Bubble Bobble Part 2, which was released on the NES. And then you have Bubble Symphony, which was also known as Bubble Bobble 2 in some countries. Which one would you go with as your as the second game? What what what, what is Bubble Bobble 2? I would say the Bubble Bobble 2 is whichever Bubble Bobble is the bobbling is bubble uh <laughs> like the one that's most similarly like Bubble Bobble. I'm glad you realized I just wanted to say Bubble Bobble a lot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, like, not Symphony. Symphony sounds like it's just trying to just trying to be, like, a music game that's probably not very good. I would say that the one where you're shooting rainbows is not OG Bubble Bobble enough to be a Bubble Bobble 2. So Bubble Bubble 2, the one most similar to Bubble Bobble, is Bubble Bobble 2. Okay. Uh, and I would argue that uh, since this game focused so much on its story, that it's only fair that the one where that picks up right after the end of Bubble Bobble 1, which would be Rainbow Islands, that would be the real Bubble Bobble 2. No, no, that's just the story of Bubble Bobble 2. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm glad you're keeping track of everything because I'm kind of losing track of it all. <laughs> well, we're going to have to track down one thing, and that is whether this game is an essential game or not, and we do that, as we always do, on the Essential Games List. Alright, I've been talking a lot this episode, so I'm just going to get my vote out of the way, so this way we just, like, can not hear my voice for a while. So, uh, you know, the short story here is that I had a lot of fun playing Bubble Bobble, but I it didn't hold my attention long enough for me to think, like, that this is a game worth everyone's time today. I think... If you're playing NES games, you can't miss Bubble Bobble, but I wouldn't say, like, everyone needs to know about this game in the sense that, like, I wouldn't say that everyone need needed to know about other games that I happened to like, but that I don't think were, like, part of the essential games list. There, There's a different list there called, like, Play It, if you will, and I think we talk about that a lot, but I don't think that Bubble Bobble meets all the essential for my uh, essential games list. So, Sean, where do you fall? I'd say I agree with uh, like just how long it held me. Uh, I could really only play this for as long as I did. Like I, I, I couldn't really make it a long session. It seemed way too simple. I mean, yes, it gets more. It, there's more things to do, but it's still just such a simple idea that uh, I, I couldn't keep playing it. And for that reason alone, I can't put it on the essential games list. Okay. And Joe, you're not going to be able to put it on the essential games list, but you can still vote. Well, I'm going to start off with with a little bit of a positive. I think that this really captured my attention enough to to make me like like it more than most of the other arcade games we've played. And I think you guys, I think in, in the past have mentioned, one of you guys has mentioned something that would be maybe an essential arcade game for like classic arcade games. And I think this would be would be there for me. But similarly to what you guys said, I mean, we talked about how there's really not much stopping us from beating this game because you can keep picking it up and none of us beat the game. And I think it was all for the same reason that you guys are saying. I also just, after a while, I was just like, all right, I'm at like level 45. Seems cool. I'm enjoying it enough, but like, do I really want to keep going? Like, I just feel like the loop of it was that, that barrier of entry to the, to the essential games list that a lot of arcade games have for me was definitely felt here where it was just a little too samey. I was just getting bored with it. I have really, as much as we're talking it up on this episode, I don't have too much of an interest of going back and playing it. It was just a fun distraction. And I think anyone who plays it will have fun with it. But it's not a must. You know, Joe, I wanted to mention, because you said you played with Mark, uh, my uh, gameplay time when I played this with my fiance, it did not increase the game play time. We played it for just about the same amount of time that I played it by myself. Did you find that that was also the case for you and Mark, that, like, you didn't necessarily, like, blast through further or have, like, any additional fun. It just seems weird that a game based around two-player co-op doesn't really, like, it doesn't heighten the experience at all. Um, it's actually, I'd be interested to know that. I actually only played it with other people. So also shout-out oh. to my friends John and Steve. But uh, <laughs> with, between all of us, I've only played it two-player. And I remember thinking, I, I bet I wouldn't be enjoying it as much if I was playing by myself. That might just be personal preference, but I actually never played it uh, in single player. Unless you count the times when, like, somebody else dies and I'm playing alone, or a lot of times I died and, you know, my partner started going on. So, like, I guess that's a similar experience, but I'm still, we're still all rooting to get to the end of the level, so it still feels a little bit more like team. I'd still like to, uh, I'd also like to give a shout out to John and Steve. 
<laughs> Thank you. Yeah, every episode, John. Is I just yeah, and I'd like to give a shout out to my boys: Aaron, Alex, Anthony, Andrew, Asher, Austin, Adam, Axel. You know, every everyone with the letter A. With an a yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know any of those people, so I'm sorry that I mentioned your names on the podcast. <laughs> this is usually the end of the show. Now, uh, this is where we just kind of ramble for a little bit. As you can see, Sean started it, but I killed it. So <laughs> we killed another episode and we're going to do it again next week with a game called Cobra Command. I'm looking you guys, forward to it. I would think that that would have something to do with um, Cobra Kai. Yeah, Cobra Kai or not Cobra Kai. You say anything and all of a sudden I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, who are those people? Is, it, is Cobra, is that like the G.I. Joe bad guys? I believe so. Okay. Yeah. So... Do you think Cobra Command has any tie-in with that or no? I would say there's a 50-50 shot. All right. I like that we don't ever play these games before the episode. <laughs> you know, like, like we always talk about these games. Like, they're just like, oh, I'd like to see what that is. Yeah. <laughs> like they got like, I'm not going to. <laughs> they got but... announced in this episode. Every end of every episode for us is uh, E3, essentially. And a new <laughs> game is announced. That's right. Uh, but bad news, it's made by Data East, apparently. So, Oh, no. Yeah. It, it, because I, I went on the Wikipedia and it said, for the 1984 interactive movie game also produced by Data East, see Cobra Command. <laughs> yeah. I want to play that one. I, I'm just, Cobra Command just sounds so familiar to me. I feel like I used to have it as a kid and this is unlocking old memories. I don't know, we'll have to see once I play it, but that's it. That's the end that, of the that's, that's it. That's, and that's the end of the episode. That's the whole episode. 